Let's pray again. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, what Lindsay just said. Amen. When was the last time you invited someone to church? So I had an exchange recently with one of the air conditioning guys from Airton. They've been in our building lately a lot. So had a conversation with one of the guys. They were it was when they were installing the new air conditioning units that serve our office. So like I was really grateful for this guy. Uh, but I got in a conversation with him. And you know how sometimes you'll say, I had a life-changing experience? And it's a little bit of an exaggeration. Maybe it was not really a life-changing experience. I don't know if my conversation with Javier was a life-changing experience, but it did change me. It, it did affect me. So maybe that's enough, but... I ran into him in the bathroom, knew he had a shirt on that said Airtun, name tag Javier. They were installing the new AC, and he wanted to talk about church. I guess it's because we were in a church, but he, he wanted to talk about church, and so he asked me, are you the pastor? And, you know, I, I came from a religious tradition where I was supposed to say, I'm not the pastor, I'm a minister. You know, and I did that a few times, and it turned people off, and I realized, you know, all right. When the kids were going to Briar Meadow, they had police officers on campus, and we got a new one one time, and I was picking up the kids, and I just wanted to make conversation with the guy for Pete's sake, and I said, so are you the new cop? And he goes, I'm not a cop, I'm a police officer. <laughs> Bye. Uh, so I don't want to be that guy. So anyway, Javier says, are you the pastor? Yeah, yeah, I am. And then he told me something. He said, I love coming to the meeting. He didn't call it church. He called it the meeting. He said, I love coming to the meeting. I love hearing the preacher and the Bible. And I feel so good. So let me read the not forsaking the assembly deal in context. So this is a little before and a little after. So just, just hear this. Therefore, my friends... Since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast 
to the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So a little bit after that, they write something else. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions. Hang on a second. I was with you when you were talking about all the love and compassion stuff, but what's this business about all of our possessions getting plundered? I, I like my possessions. I don't want them plundered. Is this what we're signing up for? Well, he says, why? He says, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Why not forsake the assembly? Because we're reminded in here every time we gather together that we have something that we share in here that is better and more lasting than anything else on the planet, anything else we could possibly experience. But wait, there's more. In all of these contexts, this is the culmination. Do not, therefore, abandon the confidence that is yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet, in a very little while, the one who is coming, who will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back and are so lost, but among those who have faith and are so saved. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. Isn't that an interesting word to put there? By faith, our ancestors received approval. You know what that's suggesting? By citing them, it's saying by faith, you know what you receive? Approval. Not just from each other, but from God. You receive this morning. When we gathered around this table together a minute ago, you know what we received together? Other than salvation, bread, cup, all that, you know what we received? Approval. Now, some people wouldn't amen that. I would. Some of you would. But some people would say, well, not so fast. There's still a lot of life to live. Still a lot we have to go through. Yeah, I get it. By faith, approval. Some of our experience of church on Sunday mornings, I think, is largely dependent on what we bring when we arrive. 
what we bring here when we get here. I mean, when was the last time as you were coming in to this room where we worship together that you were just thinking to yourself, are we ready to worship? Are we ready to receive from God? Are we ready to receive from one another? Are we ready to give love to someone in need? Are we ready to extend the mercy of Jesus Christ to each other when we come in this room? Because sometimes when you come in this room over and over again and you worship over and over again, you kind of get out of the habit of doing that sort of thing. It's just like, well, I'm just going to come in here, I'm going to worship because it's Sunday morning, it's 10.15, you know, nothing's happening today until noon. So I'll come in here and worship and then I'll go about my day. How often do we come in here and say, are we ready to receive from God and are we ready to share? Some things that get in the way of our approach... Uh, and I know this, this, it's not in the Bible, but I found this very helpful, is this little acronym HALT. You ever seen that one? The whole hungry, angry, lonely, tired thing? I experienced last Saturday where I found myself hungry, angry, and tired. All at the same time. And you know what? I was not at my best because I was hungry. I wasn't really angry, but I was like really frustrated. So I was hungry and really frustrated and tired. And I knew that about myself because I teach this kind of stuff and I, you know, I'm supposed to practice this sort of stuff. It's easier to teach it, a lot harder to practice it, especially when you're in the middle of it. But if you come to Christ, sometimes whenever you come to worship, you kind of use that. Am I hungry? Angry, lonely, tired, may not be in our best place. And so we're not coming in here thinking, well, am I ready to worship? Am I ready to receive from God? Am I ready to share what I have been given from Christ? See, I think what this is calling us to ultimately, everything that we talk about in being a church, in being a people of God, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, when church becomes the point of church, we miss the point of church. You know what I mean by that? This is not about church. This is about living our lives in Christ, which is what we get to do in this place. What does God ask from us? Well, especially reading like the 8th century prophets and Jesus and everything after that, I'm pretty sure that number one, and this was the hardest thing for the church, in the book of Hebrews that we just read that seems to be filled with second and third generation Christians who are just ready to give up. They're tired. They are not enduring the way that they're supposed to be enduring. And so what does the writer of Hebrews say to them? Don't forsake meeting together as some is in, are in the habit of doing. You know what he's really calling them to? Quite simple. No apathy. Just no apathy. Serious commitment, but commitment to what it means to be the people of God in places like this that get to share in the love and mercy that we ourselves have received. I had a friend say one time that he put up on you know, the entry screen, the call to worship screen at his church, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. 
When we share what we share in this place, it's because we have received it. We don't forsake the assembly because we love the meeting. Hebrews 10 is not about forsaking the assembly, not because of the assembly, but because of the importance of what we do together, of who we are together in this place. Hebrews 10 sets the ideals of the one body of Christ who lives as one. And you know what the temptation is? Living in a world of like seven-something billion people. It's to look around the room and say, yeah, there's only a few of us compared to seven billion. You know what the Bible seems to suggest? It's always been this way. But here we are at the meeting. We're forgiving one another. And we're being patient with one another. And we're being kind to each other. And we're actually practicing the preaching of Jesus. And then we're going to come back again next week. And we'll be forgiving one another. And we'll be being kind to one another. And we'll be patient with one another. And kids are going to grow up here. And one of these days, he's going to meet a girl. And the girl's going to go home and tell her parents, well, I met this boy, but hear me out. I think you're really going to like him. He grew up in a church that was forgiving. And they were kind. And they were patient with each other. And they had an air conditioning guy one time come in <laughs> and kind of set a stage that changed everything because all he did was talk to the preacher in the bathroom one time and he said, I love the meeting and I love hearing the Bible and I feel so good. Amen.